we're in a really good position here at Lucy Lou. Like, coming out of the big lockdown, we are busier than we were pre-COVID. So that for us is a good sign that we're doing all the right things. Yeah, I don't know what this, this next year is gonna bring us. Like we'll survive and we will grow, but a lot of places won't. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. From little things, big things grow. It's a saying thrown around in Australia. It's a song by a famous Australian and it embodies a sense of opportunity. A seed sown can spring a big crop for a new season. The inspiration for a kid in a small country town to grow and leave and make it in the big city. Jenna North is the head chef of Lucy Lou in Melbourne. Jenna, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. You grew up in a um, country town, Port Lincoln, known for some incredible seafood. Uh, well, what was it like leaving uh, Port Lincoln for Melbourne all those years ago? Well, I was 18 when I left, just turned 18, um, and I'd never really been out of Port Lincoln other than the small country towns that surround it. So it was a big shock coming to Melbourne. I lost my luggage on the flight over. And I sat in Melbourne Airport and I bawled my eyes out until the next flight arrived with my luggage. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was a bit Uh, daunting. Well, you've done some amazing things since you did move to Melbourne. But Let's go back to Port Lincoln. What what was it like growing up as a kid and what was food like in your family in such a renowned fishing town? My mum had seven kids, so for us food was always something done in bulk, something you could (laughs) make a lot of, so like always spaghetti bolognese or apricot chicken, things you could do in a big dish and just throw in the oven. Um, So we really didn't have any, there was never any beautifully done, nice, extravagant meals that inspired me to chef. Maybe it was the the bulk meals that made me want to go out and create things. Port Lincoln is renowned for some of the best seafood in Australia. What was food like in that town uh, growing up and with the restaurants and the pubs, given the status of some of that seafood that goes abroad into some of the best restaurants? Well, I worked in a pub when I was about 15, and I don't reckon any of our seafood was locally sourced at all. I'm pretty sure all of it came in um, frozen and not from Port Lincoln, but this was like 20 years ago. <laughs> so things have definitely changed since then. Um, but yeah, I know my dad used to work uh, on an abalone boat. So we always used to get abalone fresh from him. And my stepdad worked for one of the tuna companies. So he would always bring home these massive slabs of southern bluefin tuna. I had no idea they were on the endangered species list. When you, you mentioned that you worked in a pub in, in Port Lincoln, but when tell us about the time when you first started getting interested in, in food. Uh, so in grade 10, we had to do work experience and I chose to work in the pub because they were the only company that would take me on. I was a bit slow to, the, <laughs> to getting that organised. Uh, so I worked as a kitchen hand for the two weeks, washing dishes and making cold salads, uh, and they were really low staff, so they put me on as um, so I'd finished my work experience, and I reckon 
through grade 11 and 12, I worked five nights a week in the pub washing dishes. It's a good learning experience. Uh, and then at the end of year 12, I just I had really had no career pathway. So for no reason, I chose to do certificate three in commercial cookery at the local TAFE. Uh, and it went from there. So I never really wanted to be a chef. It just sort of it's just how my life sort of worked out. At the top of the show, you mentioned about uh, the trip to Melbourne, the decision you made to move there, and it was, um, you know, fraught with a couple of issues with with luggage and things like that. Tell us about that time of your experiences of cooking and living in Port Lincoln, and then um, the first job that you walked into in Melbourne. How different that was. Well, I was still working at the same pub, the Pier Hotel, which is the still my favourite pub in Port Lincoln. Uh, and then my mum had a friend who lived in Melbourne and I just decided that I was going to go live with her for a couple of weeks and try my luck over there, try and find myself a job with zero knowledge of Melbourne whatsoever. So I got on my flight, landed in uh, Melbourne, bawled my eyes out for a couple of hours and then got in the longest taxi ride out to the most northern suburb of Melbourne that there was um, out in Mill Park and, yeah, met met this lady for the first time ever. I'd never even spoken to her. And so she helped me, like, log on to the job website, which I had no idea about because I'd never done that before either. And I got myself a job in Melbourne Central Train Station working for this little cafe, um, just doing breakfast and sandwiches and stuff like that um, and I worked out for two years before I decided to leave so I was an apprentice at the time. You ended up uh, doing uh, some of your apprenticeship at the Hatted Balzari's on Ligon Street. Tell us about that period of time and um, how you got the job and what it was like in that kitchen. Uh, well I applied for the job online and I went for a first interview with the head chef at the time that was Joel Valvasori. And in the interview, he was talking about how he wanted to take the next step with the restaurant and bring it up to a hatted level. And I had zero idea about what a hat was or anything like, and you could not Google, couldn't Google it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I just bullshitted my way through it. I was like, yep, cool. Hats, love them. Let's do it. And um, yeah, so (laughs) this is where my passion probably started to kick in because Joel was very passionate about his cooking and he really loved northern Italian food that was where his grandma was from Um, that was the style of food for the restaurant and from there I learned how to make handmade pasta and I always thought that would be my future I would be like the best pasta maker in Melbourne and yeah it was a it was a good experience but um, the restaurant wasn't really run that well so it sort of sunk after about two years. <laughs> Were there any dishes that you remember that sort of changed your perspective on a career in cooking from that time? Um, there were no real dishes, but the the way that Joel was so passionate about his food really made me uh, sort of work more on my own skills and um, like try and create things that were nice rather than just pump and eggs out on toast. That led to uh, a role at Church Street and Oteca. Tell us about 
what it was like in that restaurant and, and how it changed you? Well, Joel got me the job at Church Street Anateca because we all packed our belongings and left Balzari um, because it was not going so well there for us all at the time. Uh, so he got me the job as the pasta-making chef at Church Street Anateca, and I worked under a couple of really great um, head chefs over the two years that I was there. Uh, and they gave me the freedom to be able to put my own like spin on the dishes. I was able to like play with different pastas, different flowers, different sauces. Um, I think one of the dishes I made there ended up being the review for the um, Good Food Guide for the, I forget what pasta it was actually, it was so long ago. Um, and yeah, that was that was probably the best job I ever had was working at Church Street Anateca. It was fun. The kitchen was nice. It was the first kitchen that wasn't really tense and you know you really had to work work your way up there it was just a really good environment to work in and I hadn't done that yet I'd never worked in a kitchen that was a good environment after quite a few years in Melbourne and working in some great restaurants how different was your life becoming to to Port Lincoln oh well I only really went back to Port Lincoln for weddings and funerals um that wasn't it was just I put all my focus into work so I never took holidays and I never like put time out for myself so weddings and funerals was it uh, and there weren't many of those over the 10 years that I would had been up to at this point uh, but when I would go back there were little changes throughout Port Lincoln like the cafes were popping up nice food was popping up um, yeah, it was just sort of changing and I really noticed it because I'd been gone for two or three years by the time I'd taken a trip back there. Back in Melbourne, uh, you took a detour from Italian food and joined the Smith to work with um, renowned chefs like Michael Lambie and Brad Simpson. Tell us about that period of time. Well, bef- after I left Church Street and Ateca, I reckon I had 10 of the shittiest jobs of my life, just terrible Two months here, one month here, everything was really bad <laughs> for for about six months. And then I ended up um, getting a job with uh, Brad and Zach and Michael at um, the Smith and Peran. Their interview, I was so broken by the time I got to that interview. They would ask me questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'd say, I don't know, working. <laughs> so they took me on. Um, with those answers, I don't know why, uh, and I was just a prep chef. I would come in, I think it was the start of December of the first year that they were open, and they were so busy, and I would just pick herbs and chop, like, fresh produce for the salad section, um, and I just, like, made my way back out of this horrible place that I was in, and, yeah, they had faith in me, and... I was there two years before they opened up uh, Lucy Lou and they asked me to be a part of that. And I said, yes, actually, they really didn't give me an option. It was go to Lucy's, love it, stay, or go to Lucy's, don't love it, go back to the Smith. So. <laughs> well, that period of time when you said you, you had about 10 different jobs and it was a really difficult and challenging moment in your life, why did you go through so many jobs, do you think? I can't 
I don't have a good answer for that. I think I was just going in to help friends out and then those friends would leave and expect me to take the place of them. And then, like, they were obviously leaving for a reason and stitching me up. Um, so I just sort of bounced from cafe to restaurant to a hotel at one point. I think the hotel was the worst job I ever worked at. Imagine doing breakfast, lunch and dinner 6am till midnight, pretty much six days a week. That was soul destroying. The chance to work with uh, Michael Lambie and Brad Simpson and, and Zach Ribs, you uh, got the opportunity to work at Lucy Lou Kitchen, which you are now the head chef of, but you first moved over there um, and worked your way up in the kitchen. How different was was that restaurant given um, the cuisine that they're cooking and, and your background? I'd never worked in Asian food before. There was a little bit of it at the Smith because they were like a global restaurant, but I'd never even gone to like Asian restaurants to eat out unless it was Chinatown. So I really didn't have any knowledge of it, um, but I got given this choice and I took it. And so I started going out to like nice Thai restaurants. I think Jinder Thai was really my favourite um, up in Richmond. And they just how bold their flavours were. And you didn't have to weigh anything out, which I really love because I'm terrible at putting time into weigh things out to make things. I prefer to, you know, mix a couple of ingredients together, taste it, and then go from there and see how see how it comes out. Um, so you really have that ability to not be able to follow recipes in Asian food. And, um, yeah, I loved it. Tell us about working your way up through the kitchen there and because now you're the head chef. What, how did it change uh, your career working with Lucy, at Lucy Lou? Uh, so I started off as a chef to party for the first couple of weeks um, and I didn't know it at the time but they were just sort of, letting us fight amongst ourselves to be the next sous chef or the first sous chef rather. Uh, and I reckon my first two weeks working at Lucy Lou, I did not pick up my knife once. I just got in there, got everyone else organised. Um, yeah, I remember going out to Zach and laughing to him, saying I haven't even touched my knife today. And, yeah, that's why I got the job of the sous chef because I organised the whole kitchen without even knowing it and yeah that's what they were looking for and so I became the sous chef and then a couple of years later I don't know why I've stuck around so long it's that it is actually a really great job and they give me so many chances to just run the kitchen myself like I've been doing it for five years now I think what does it take from your perspective to be a head chef of a successful restaurant uh, you need to trust your team, definitely. Um, and I don't know, don't be an asshole. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, tell us about the food that you're cooking there and the influences and, and where, where does the dish creation start and end for you? We have a lot of uh, diverse people who work with us and they always bring in uh, different flavours that we haven't, done before so we have a Vietnamese guy and he loves experimenting with foods from where he's from and he'll come in and he'll just bring us in snacks to eat and then we'll be like oh that's amazing we could probably do something like that here 
and then we'll experiment and put it on as a special, see if people like it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's a bit too weird. Uh, and, yeah, it just really goes from there. It goes from hiring the right people and... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You said you've been there five years now. How, how do you keep yourself and your team motivated on a day-to-day basis? Every day is the same here at Lucy Lou. Uh, we pump out the same amount of food, the same dishes that people love have been on the menu from the beginning. Uh, so to stay motivated, we normally do up really um, like, we have a set menu which we can change whenever we want and so we get the juniors to get involved in that and um, play around with dishes and that keeps them motivated and that keeps us senior chefs motivated to keep going with the same dishes we've been doing from the beginning. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty placid person so for me I don't require much to stick around in a job, just good bosses and let me do my own thing. The last year and a half has been a challenging, um, particularly for those in, in Melbourne. You're currently in your fourth lockdown. How has the last year and a half changed you? Well, lockdown was hard because we started doing takeaway uh, and it's really soul-destroying. Like I survive on... Um, like the, the feel of the restaurant, the customers that come in, it's not, not so much the food that we're making, it's how people enjoy it and the vibe of the, the, the service. And so to pack things into takeaways is just so mind-numbingly destroying. And every day was a struggle when we were doing the takeaway, and we're doing it now again, but lucky it's only for a couple of weeks. During the big lockdown, I got a job in a factory packing pallets for Safeway, which is also mind-numbing. Just put a little headset on and off you go. But it was different. It was a nice break from packing things into plastic. And um, we really tried hard to give as many chefs as much uh, shifts as possible. And that was, that was challenging. Having to call up and tell tell your casuals that you, you don't have enough money to pay them this, to put them on the roster this week. That was, that was awful. Yeah. And then to do it again a couple months later. <laughs> well, you're currently on the fourth lockdown at the moment. How different is that sort of period, this period of time compared to what you've experienced before? We were ready for this lockdown. So the way the cases were coming in and what the government was saying, we run the, the food in the restaurant down as low as we could and just um, prepped up all the stuff that we can do takeaway with uh, and rerun with that. So the changeover wasn't as bad. There was certainly not as much wastage this time around. Um, that was a killer last time too, the amount of stuff that we had to give away or just throw in the bin because we'd already opened the packets and charities wouldn't take it at the time. So, mm. yeah, that was that was pretty awful. You mentioned that you worked at Safeway for a period of time. Did that experience at Safeway change the way you feel about cooking? Uh, it didn't change the way I feel about cooking. It sort of 
it made me realize when we get deliveries and stuff that it's not the driver's fault that the delivery is wrong because <laughs> I was a pick packer for Safeway. So, it, you know, if the orders were wrong, it was my fault, not the driver's fault. <laughs> um, but no, in terms of cooking, we certainly had do a more conscious effort not to waste produce and to like if we can give it away we do give it away and yeah so that has come from it for sure what's the feeling in melbourne and for yourself at the moment with these continual lockdowns and the impact on the industry how are you feeling about the next year or two with uh, your role in the restaurant and those uh, industry professionals around you as well we're in a really good position here at Lucy Lou. Like coming out of the big lockdown, we are busier than we were pre-COVID. So that for us is a good sign that we're doing all the right things. Uh, and yeah, I don't know what this this next year is going to bring us. Like we'll survive and we will grow, but a lot of places won't. All those years ago when you had the job interview with Michael Lambie and Brad Simpson, they asked you, where do you see yourself in five years? And you'd come out of many different roles. How, how are you feeling now? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh, I still don't know. I'll probably be still running <laughs> the pass at Lucy Lou, to be honest. <laughs> Hopefully they open up a new restaurant and um, that'll be a nice change if I get to go into that. But by the way things are going, I don't reckon anyone will be opening new restaurants. <laughs> so I reckon I'll still be at Lucy Lou. Well, Jenna, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a very, very busy restaurant. You've done incredible things with it. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to share your story. Uh, good luck with the rest of this lockdown and uh, hopefully you open up again to um, big crowds again soon. Yes, thank you for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.